of our relativistic culture, the need for objective truth, it just continues to grow. Um, and I, I, I don't mean to harp on, on something, but, but the, the fact that abusive people are now the ones who are uh, the ones who say the gender that you were born with is your gender, that that is considered abusive or hateful, um, or things that are just plain, plain known to people, uh, now can't be trusted. Um, and so what, what, I, what I wanted to do with Scotty and with um, my teaching on the Holy Scriptures is to really give you as a Christian... Um, some some roots in in your understanding that there are truth claims made by God that we can hold on to that the winds will go back and forth and challenges will come and go um, but to a world that desperately wants to know what is true um, for the Christian to be able to say God's word is true and I can trust what he has written I can trust what has been passed on to us um, if you have your Bible, turn to Second Peter. Second <clears throat> um, Peter, that that first chapter. Um, I want to just pick up on verse sixteen. Um, and this, there may be some overflow, overlap between Sunday school and the, and the message um, today in the sense that the Apostle Paul uh, says, here's what you must believe. You know, if you have a faith that counts for God, here's what you must believe. Uh, Peter, writing one of the latest letters that we have, says, we didn't follow cleverly devised myths. Right, so what we face as Christians, what we face in, in a culture that is against Christianity, is against monotheism, is against objective truth, it's nothing new. It's not something like the church hasn't faced before. Um, there were false teachers before Jesus came, and there will be false teachers until the end. We didn't follow cleverly devised myths. Okay? That's what people say about Christianity. It's this religion that was made up. Uh, it was made up by uh, men to subject women. It was made up by the wealthy to subject the poor. Uh, it was interesting, Tammy and I were, well, Tammy was doing a cleanup. And uh, she called me in to make sure she didn't throw away anything that was precious to me. And we found this uh, booklet of letters from kids in the very first youth group. And one was just a list of quotes. The kids put some of their favorite quotes. And one of the girls put in there, uh, Mark says, now girls, this book wasn't written by men who don't like women. <laughs> she had that in quotes. She goes, I don't know what this means, but you always say it. Like, okay. Uh, but that's what you hear. Like, it, these, are, these are myths. And so uh, when we talk in the next couple of weeks over canonicity, over why, why are these books of the Bible the ones that we trust, and not all of these other books, uh, you'll hear about myths. Uh, the Code of Hammurabi. You'll hear about... Uh, and you'll, and you'll say, well, that sounds a bit like Scripture. Uh, why don't we take that? Why isn't that part? Um, so even, even in, in Peter's day, 
I almost said in Second Peter's day. No, there's just one of them. He wrote two letters. Uh, we didn't follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. All right, think about that. We were eyewitnesses. He's talking about the baptism of Jesus, the transfiguration of Jesus. Peter says, I saw this. What I'm writing to you is something I actually saw and I beheld. I was there. I was with him. Um, for when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him from majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And listen what he says. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. He says, Christ uh, when we beheld his glory, when we heard the voice from heaven and the cloud, we, everything that was prophesied was confirmed. To which, verse 19, you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first of all that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit look at verse 19 we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed so I will propose to you this argument that we actually sit in a better place to have a strong faith in Christ than even Peter or the patriarchs, even Abraham that we'll talk about today in the sermon, that we have it confirmed. And so uh, we, we must treat the Word of God as precious to us. We, we, we must, as Christian, the, the, at least Christian people, we must say, what does the Word of God say? Not just what my nephew say, or my parents say, government say, or Mark says. What does the Word of God say? It is precious to us, and it has been confirmed by Jesus. Here on, in my notes, I think it was page four, uh, picking up from a couple of weeks ago, um, part four, God's Word in written form. So we were talking about what is meant by the Word of God, and uh, part B was the word of God as, as speech from God. Um, God's decrees, right? So sometimes God speaks, and we just, just a quick review. God said, let there be light, right? That was the word. That was a prophetic word. It's what we would call a decree. God says something, and he speaks it into existence. So again, for us as Christians, what, what Peter is saying, he heard God speak, this is my son, whom I well please. Uh, that's, that definitely is God's Word. God's Word as personal addresses, where he speaks to uh, Adam in the garden, speaks to Moses. People understood the words. It was in a language they understood. And those words carried the authority of God. Not, not the interpreter, not even the speaker. Uh, the authority was from God. And then God's word, uh, speech through human lips. Um, this passage in Deuteronomy, very important. 
Um, and so we, we read over it. I'm going to probably mention it in my sermon. But the, but the necessity of God's word to be understood and believed. So the people, are, are they ask Moses, Moses, what happens when you die? Who are we going to go to? How are we going to know, Moses? You know, we got kids. They're probably going to outlive you. How do we know? And so God tells Moses, this is how they'll know. Um, this is how they'll know who to trust. So we come to the, the last part, which we would say God's word in written form. So the word of God, meaning the Bible. Um, so uh, <laughs> at the Soup and Sermon, which is coming up on Tuesday, this, uh, I think it was this last one or maybe the one before, uh, they put the screen up there, you know, and it's the words and they're reading it, but, but it had the red letter edition. So you're all familiar with red letter edition Bibles? Um, I remember the first one I got, like, wow, red letter edition. Like, what does that mean? And um, so you probably all know that red, the red letters are like the actual words that Jesus spoke. And so when I got them, like, these are more important than the rest. <laughs> you know, so, of course, after I studied the word, I thought the whole Bible should be red letter edition. You know, it is God's word. And that's how we should see it. Um, the scripture as God's word um, and so God commands his word to be written down and so we'll see that all throughout the old scripture the old testament write this down write this down make a record write this down uh, write this down that you may know speak it to one another read it to one another Exodus 24 God says to Moses come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you tablets of stone with the law and the commandments which I have written for their instruction. So on the uh, Three Rivers Men's chat, there's some inside jokes. And one of them started with the uh, Bo Byers. I'm a definite maybe. <laughs> and so it's kind of become that uh, I'm not coming what it means <laughs> i'm a definite maybe means yeah I, I i won't be there i'm not gonna help um but i but i hear you i hear you son i hear you but i'm a definite maybe you ever thought about this why did god say he's gonna write it in stone they didn't have printing presses they didn't have vellum they didn't have uh skins that they could write on think about it in our own language right uh, Travis and I try to have lunch, and he's very organized, so I get these emails with an invite, accept, decline, change, and, um, right, it's, it's uh, am I a maybe? Uh, am I, you know, and so what do we say, right? Oh, I'll, I'll pencil you in, right? We, we understand what that means, right? I'm going to pencil you in means, well, you're there, but who knows what's going to happen? You know, I, I, there might, Travis, you know, Tammy might get the day off, you know, which means I'll be working. Uh, <laughs> all right, and then we say, well, pen it in, pen it in. But then what do we say if we're just like, there is nothing that's going to change. Now, in my house with a Reformed Presbyterian minister, my dad would say, this is more sure than the laws of the Medes and the Persians, and it cannot be changed. But we say, write it in stone, don't we? Put it in stone. Our God put it in stone. And he wrote it with its very finger, it says. And again, you could, you could go through the scriptures and, and, and hear about the finger of God. Like when Moses talks about it in Exodus, it was the finger of God, right? It's the, it's the wise enchanters, Pharaoh's enchanters that said, 
oh, we've, we've, we've done some of these tricks before. But what you're experiencing now, Pharaoh, is the finger of God. Let him go. All right, so God says this is to be written down. Moses, I'm going to write down the law at Sinai in stone. Exodus 31. He gave it to Moses when he had finished speaking with him on Mount Sinai. The two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger of God. Deuteronomy, before they crossed the Holy Land, Moses' last speech to his people in chapter 31, 9 to 13. Moses wrote this law. He gave it to the priests, the son of Levi, who carried the ark, and to the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them at the end of every seven years, at the time set in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God, at a place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all of Israel in their hearing. Assemble the men, people, women, little ones, the sojourner within your towns. They may hear and learn to fear the Lord and to be careful to do all the words of this law. And that their children who, who have not known it may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land that you're going over the Jordan to possess. Verse 24, Moses had finished writing all the words of this law in a book to the very end. Moses commanded the Levites who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, take this book of the law and put it by the side of the Ark, uh, by the side of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God that it may be there for a witness against you. So this written word of God was God's intention that it would be written. Um, again, one of the old Kuiper sayings that my dad, I don't know, he probably stole it from somebody too. But he said, you know, the Bible isn't man's thoughts concerning God. It's not a whole bunch of men that sit down and collect the stories they like that give them power and standing. It's God's thoughts concerning humanity. In Joshua 24, it says, He wrote these words in the book of the law of God. Isaiah is called, And now go write it before them on a tablet, and inscribe it in a book, that it may be for a time to come as a witness forever. For there are rebellious people, lying children, children unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord, who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right. Speak to us smooth things. Prophesy illusions. Write this in a book. Jeremiah chapter 30, 36, 51. Write this in a book. Any questions thus far? Um, so clear from the Old Testament that um, it was to be written, that it was um, God's word, that it carried his authority. Um, one of the, I think next, I'd like to talk about some of those benefits. I list three in your notes. One is that it is a more accurate presentation for the generations to come. So, right, he, Moses says this, Joshua says this, this is for you, it is for your children. Uh, write it down. It's much better than passing it on just verbally. You may forget things. Um, uh, there may be changes in culture, um, but these things are to be written down. Um, and so, I might have told you guys this, but 
you know, last summer I, I uh, did weddings for two of my nieces from my brother Jonathan. Uh, his crew will be here, I think, in July. Um, and one of the one of the spouses to be was a Reformed Baptist. And uh, so when we get together, he wanted to ask me questions about the covenant, about infant baptism. And, and so we had a great conversation about it. Uh, I mean, we, we argued, but not in a bad way. I mean, we just, we argued. Um, and what I loved is he went to scripture. And so uh, afterwards, Haley, my niece, uh, who's just you know, bubbly, loving, you know, she's like, Uncle Mark, is he okay? You know, uh, uh, what do you think? What do you think about Hayden? And uh, and if you guys are here, you'll get to meet Hayden this summer. Um, I said, uh, Haley, we, we may disagree on some things. I said, but what I love about him is all of his answers, he went to the scriptures. And I said, honey, I don't, I don't think you can do wrong with a man who says, I'm, I'm going to go to the scriptures for my truth. Uh, not my father. My church, the church fathers, but I'm going to go to the scriptures. And uh, I said, I just, I just thoroughly appreciate that about him. And I think he will take good care of you. And I think you can follow him. Um, so it's accurate uh, for the generations to come in memory, uh, over memory and oral traditions. Uh, two, it lends itself to more careful understanding and study. So when the author of Hebrews says that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, um, I, I, I wrote a lot in my Bible over COVID, and so it's been fun to go back and look at March of 2020 and, and, and texts that I had underlined and prayed through and concerns that I had had, and, and it, to come back, and it's that same word, it has unchanged it's, it's the same as it was in 2020, but I've changed. The situation has changed, and yet it is still active and useful. Um, and so when the church leads the way in cultural change, in the end of slavery, right, in, in, in setting up governments, in building hospitals and schools, when the church leads the way, it, it, it looks at the culture and it says, what has the scriptures, what is, an, what is unchangeable about our call as the people of God living in the world? Um, and so, again, the, the written scriptures. And it's a... The church has done lots of wrong things. And the church, you know, it, but it's never hidden. Right? What, what does he say to Joshua? It's going to stand here as a witness against you. You're taking God's word, and it is a witness against you. Right? And then through the scriptures, you see it. I think we talked about that a few weeks ago. When in Josiah's reign, they, they find the book of the law. Right? And he's like, where was it? <laughs> we hadn't read it. It's been lost. And they read it, and what does he say? Woe is us. What are we to do? Um, so, lends itself to more careful understanding and study. Third, it's available to more people rather than those uh, who are around those who may have memorized it. So, for sure, um, the scriptures are now available. Um, and there is no sense that the authority or the truthfulness and the reliability has been diminished. We'll talk about that um, either next week or the week after we talk a little bit about textual criticism 
and the putting together of the scriptures that we have. Um, and so Joshua says, here's the other benefit. Um, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Joshua 20 and 45, not one word of his promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel have failed. All came to pass. Uh, later on, he says, um, you will be successful in what you do if you don't let the book of the law depart from you. Um, so when we go through our systematic study, we're going to use the Bible. Um, Pennington's probably wouldn't mind me saying this, but the first Sunday they came to our church and we used the Bible for a call to worship and a call to confession. She elbowed him. She goes, hey, it's great to have the Bible back in worship. You know, and they're kind of like, it's great, you know. It's great that we use the scriptures. Like, and I, in my mind, I'm like, who wouldn't, right? But um, <laughs> we will use the scriptures. We'll confirm what's taught by the scriptures. Um, the fourth membership vow for members of Three Rivers and Presbyterian churches is to study the peace and purity of the church. It is your job to study on your own. It's your job to know what it says. It's your job to question if things are taught that are untrue. Um, but why do we have this form over all the others? Right, so we talked about the others, the direct voice from heaven, revelation to the prophets. Um, okay, a couple reasons. Number one, we don't hear God's voice or his decrees out loud. At least that's not the common way that we hear God's voice. We don't gather in a room and put the Bible aside and say, okay, God, should we buy this building? Yes? No? Any abstentions? I guess there's an abstention, right? We don't, we don't do that. That's not his common way. And it really hasn't been since the canon was closed. You've got the word. And, and the word is to be used to judge all that you hear from people who claim to be prophets. So, and we started class talking about this, and in our culture, people say, God told me this, or God told me that. And I've encouraged us to be careful in that language, to not, to not use that type of language, but to say, I believe that God has led me to do this, to call you. Can tell you how many times talking about this with somebody the other day. How many times someone that I haven't talked to in months or years is in my mind, in my heart, and I call them, and it's the exact time they need to hear a call. It's the exact time they need to be refreshed in the Word. I don't say God told me to call you. You're on my heart today. I believe the Spirit was calling me to do this. I believe God was prompting me to do this. Um, secondly, God's words of uh, personal address when someone says I this is what I'm saying um, it leads a lot to personal interpretation and speculation um, and so I see Christians almost with a cultish following of a person I you know this this person's a great teacher they're funny they're they're, they're they, they engage really well they explain things really well I don't need my Bible anymore. I just listen to them on YouTube. I just listen to, or I just read their books. Um, that, that's, that's not, not a safe way uh, for Christians to grow. Um, so that, that leads to the thoughts of canonicity. We want to believe what God's authoritative word was. And we'll, um, so in, in, in Roman Catholic circles, 
the Pope has this authority. I don't know if he still does, but well, it was early 1700s. It was it, they call it ex cathedra. If you ever hear it, ex cathedra, it meant that the Pope, by his role, uh, whenever he spoke, he was infallible. Maybe you've heard the term papal infallibility. That whatever the Pope said was to be taken as scripture. And so when the reformers come along, and uh, especially this week's text in Romans 4, uh, when Luther says this, everything is summarized in this, you understand why. I mean, uh, uh, you had a mass of people that couldn't read the text. We had a mass of people that would go to mass, and it was in a language they didn't even understand. And so the reformers, you know, they, they get burned at the stake for translating the scriptures into the common vernacular. Um, one of the reasons the, the Catholic Church wanted to do that is they thought if, if every man is given a Bible, then every man's their own church. And so we've seen, we've seen that, right? We see it, we run into it all the time. I don't need to go to church. I've got my Bible and it's just me and Jesus. Like I don't need, I don't need organized religion. Um, so well, anyway, we'll talk about canonicity. And if we're going to claim this is the authoritative word, we need to be sure that it is actually what was handed down. Um, and we are blessed to study it. Psalm 1, blessed is the man, walks not in the counsel of the wicked, or stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So in closing, I put a few application questions for you to consider. Um, when we come to worship, we will use God's word as the guide for us to worship. Uh, God's word will be how we regulate our worship, how we decide what gets put in, what doesn't get put in. Um, Westminster Shorter Catechism question three. Is that in your notes that I gave you? What do the scriptures principally teach? I have principle. Principally teach. Scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God and what God, what duty God requires of man. One of the questions to think about, would you pay more attention if God spoke to you from heaven or through the voice of a living prophet than if he spoke to you from the written words of Scripture? That's why I wanted to start with 2 Peter 1.19. We have a sure, a sure uh, certainty of the prophets. Um, what positive steps can you uh, take to make your attitude towards Scripture more like the kind of attitude God wants you to have. I, I, I just implore you to read the Word. I use a, uh, a plan from Discipleship Journal. Takes you through the whole Bible in one year. Uh, each month has, uh, I think each month has 28 readings, so there's a couple of days you can miss. Um, it mixes really well the Psalms. Um, with the Old Testament, um, so you're not just in, in numbers or uh, books that may be more difficult for you to read. Uh, it's, it's God's gift to us. You think about how hard it must have been to visit, be the Israelites. Like, we've got to wait for Moses to adjudicate the situation. Um, we're not sure what to do here. Uh, 
and and I, it's it's this living word that he's given us. Um, let's pray, Father. We do thank you for your word. Uh, thank you for what we call its perspicuity that it 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 is it is able to be understood by a healthy rational mind may it father dwell richly in us may the thoughts of your scriptures come to mind in situations of trial of temptation of anxiety and questions of ethics and morals would it be this anchor would it be this written in stone that we can trust far and above whatever the current thought is on the current topics help us to be faithful to it and holy spirit will you open our eyes that it would become alive to us we ask in jesus name amen